All right, Mike, bring on the bring on the goddamn questions. We need to, for the oppression summit, set up a meeting with Chad's auditor and do it right there on the stage in front of everybody. That would be opening up the books. <laughs> as long as it's not recorded, you could say everyone there is a representative of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh fine. Great. I'll call him now. <laughs> okay. You're getting to be a name uh, 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 on a name basis with these auditor people. So. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the guy's name, actually. He hasn't come over trying to ask for blood, has he? No, not this guy. <laughs> he, he wants something worse. Yeah. That's all my money. All right. Uh, Potted Luck PA asks, uh, so this one was asking for questions or topics. So some of these aren't phrases, questions, sometimes, sometimes just topics to talk about. Mm. Uh, why you should consider a massive job box for your construction business. And I think I've seen a few people doing this where they've got just a giant box that they fork around there from their uh, trailer to the job site. And it's just got everything that they need so they don't have to go back and forth. Mm. You guys seen this? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't have one, so I can't speak to the topic. No. Do we you want have, one? No. If I wanted one, I'd have it. It doesn't seem <laughs> expensive. I have things that cost $240,000. I feel like if I wanted this fucking box, I would buy it. Like I'm just saying, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that it, I don't know. I, I think there's some validity to not having to walk back to the trailer for sure. I think there's some validity to that. I, I think what makes in our application, what makes me nervous about it is I don't want to cart that thing back and forth to the, from the job site every night. And I'm not comfortable leaving that on the job site. Whereas with the tool trailer, we either bring it back to the yard every night on the truck or we lock it up, lock it in. The doors have inside of the doors have like wood that comes down inside. So you can't physically open that door in them, even if you cut the lock off. And then we block the doors with one of the machines. We block the hitch with one of the machines and then we leave them for the night. And normally only if they're in the driveway, I would never leave it on the road. So I guess just when I see those big things, I'm like, but a lot of these people are working in large scale backyards where they have lots of room to get all that stuff in, in the job box. We don't, we very rarely work in a place that has an opening wider than 42 inches. That's <laughs> true. It's just really is true that we very rarely work on a backyard or on a residential project where there's, and if we do, then we're only working in the front yard. And I'm honestly, I'm not comfortable leaving that box contraption in a front yard. I think they're useful. If we were doing the, the people who have them, if we were doing those same big backyard projects and three acre lots that they were, I probably would consider it. But at the current time, no. Hmm. So I think there's something real therapeutic about a walk back to the trailer. To get something that you forgot. Like it's rare that I'm thinking about nothing on that walk back to the trailer, right? Like I'm going over grades in my head or something or a laying pattern or what we're going to do about raising the step so that we can get the pavers underneath it or something like that. Like it's not lost time going back to the trailer. If you send one of your guys back to the trailer, that's a 30 second break for the guy, you know, they're busting their ass for the other nine and a half hours a day or something like that, right? Like everybody spends all this time trying to save minutes. And I can understand how that works. If you're sitting there with a fucking stopwatch all day, timing your guys to see how long it takes them to lay a hundred square feet or sand in uh, a mowing strip or something like that. But I think it's all way more thought than what you need in hardscaping like just fucking there's nothing wrong with just having a tool trailer just bring the tool trailer we have a bucket for our tools like a tree pot bucket that we keep all our our hammers and our squares yeah. in and our 
nail with a rope on it and stuff like that. Like someone just bring out the brick bucket and that's it. And you drag it across the lawn and you put it close to where you're working. And at the end of the day, you drag it back to the trailer. Like I don't need a fancy job box all the time, but uh, I, I never claim to be revolutionary. So we have, I know that like Ricky has a pail. It's got yeah. like a string line and yeah, couple tape measures and a two foot level and yeah, whatever Dead he's blow got hammer whatever Dead blow, exactly yep you're right yeah. Deadblow hammer all the stuff that he anything that he deems valuable to a interlock install he has in that pail yeah and I think he has one of those things you buy from Home Depot that rings the pail and it creates okay. all little pockets on the outside oh it's yeah like yeah thing. yeah. So he, he can yeah. he can tuck that yeah I, I know he has i i don't know i just i i think those things are great but for us it just i don't know it just wouldn't work i guess that's i guess what the comes down to maybe i don't know. okay we're ready for our worst hour what are you question. Do, what, 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 what's you doing with the job box mike like I, why is it always me and chad bearing our souls the world wants to know what you do about your job box on the site. I don't have a job box. I why not? like why not? you. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> like you, I don't have the access for a big job box, but uh, I've got a organized system at the beginning of the year where I've got different, uh, like almost toolboxes for different things, and they're labeled. And then at some point throughout the season, they all just get mixed up and anything just goes anywhere. And then at about the midway point of my season, I might take a day and reorganize everything. But then by the end of the season, it's all back to the same. That's my job box. I've also got milk crates and with various things. I try to keep organized, but that goes out the window at some point in the season. So good? you're not a job box guy. I'm not a giant job box guy. I'm a lots of little mini job box guy. I can accept that. That's an acceptable response. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. You're good. We're, I'm, <laughs> we're, I'm good. Thank you so much. I'm, hold, I'm holding you to the fire tonight, Mike. All right. Yeah. you get away with fuck all. I just, I like your guys' responses. I'm more of a listener. So, um, here's a worse hour question for you guys. And I'm not going to say this person's name because. I don't know. Maybe they don't want their name shared with this. Have maybe you ever do. had an employee ask your clients to lend them money? What? Multiple clients. No. Never. <laughs> well, how would you guys handle this? They wouldn't be my employee after that. That's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Like, that's too far. I'm like, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people do a lot of stupid shit i don't know if this is new i've <laughs> asked new workers like at the end of their first day or whatever like are you okay for money like do you need me to pay you today's wages now like are you hurting that bad but i would not stand for any employee ever asking a client for money that's fuck me i can't think of something short of the client showing naked pictures or the worker showing naked <laughs> pictures to the client. I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of an instance where that happened. I, I don't think that that's a good, a good look on anyone. No. It's uh. I, I, I think I would aggressively probably aggressively deal with that. Now, if it's someone who's new, then you could argue <laughs> that they didn't realize it was inappropriate. And if you didn't, well, I, just being devil's advocate, if you didn't, if you didn't lay out a rule when they started that this is, or it's not in your handbook, so oh, I, here's the problem for it's me. It's obvious to you and me and Chad. I don't know. I think if you're willing to ask 
the client for money, to borrow money, I think that opens up the person to a lot of speculation of what else they would do for money. Like, are you willing to, like, are you staking out the house? Are you scoping out what you can steal? Like, that seems like the same type of person would do that as ask the client for money. Mm. And that I can't have on my job site. Without a question, that can't be around our job site. So you're saying this is a non-negotiable fired? This is a non-negotiable. I can't believe you did that. That's a stain on my business that I can't wipe off. You know, like, that's a you're fired in front of the client. I'll take you home now. See you never. See you never. Like, that's, like, ugh. I can't get over that. Like, I just... Something I wonder about that burns my arse. Yeah, I wouldn't like it either. I don't think it's good. I think that you need to. I guess you need to address it. I mean, I guess there's a lot of factors. Did the did the employee know the client before? Did the employee not know the client? Did the did the employee bring you the job? Is the client the employee's parents? So this is multiple clients. It's happened to though. Multiple. Yeah, it, it, it's the question was, uh, have you ever had a somebody ask uh, clients to lend them money? Question mark. And then after that, multiple clients. <laughs> the silence. Uh, so let's, I, I shake it his head. I can't. Just, I still can't. I'm still if, awestruck. I, what if the employee came from a broken family? And you were working at both of the employees' parents' houses, plus their grandparents' houses, and that's why they were asking for money because they were family. I, I appreciate you, PK, trying to play devil's advocate here, yeah. but I just, I, I still can't try to wrap my head around this. <laughs> I, again, I've been a party to some really stupid shit. Uh, this seems like a new one. I don't, I don't think this has ever happened. I would hope that the employee would come ask me for money first. Right. I guess. I mean, then you could debate whether that's a good idea. Yeah. I don't don't think if it was multiple times, then uh, I would think that that employee is 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 an offender that might need to leave. So what's your guys' policy of uh, employees asking you for an advance? Uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't really have a policy. Or like, would you do it? And then how often before it became, you know what, we're not doing this again? Uh, Yeah. Would you do it in the first place anyways? Uh, I I already told you I would, I guess. I I literally asked them, do you want your... That's not advanced, though. They already worked the day for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but still in advance because it's, an, it's before mean, payday. Before right? payday. Like, I'll do but that to wor- someone starting the- off because I don't know where they came from, right? Like, to, have they not been working for the last three weeks and now they started, they worked their day? Like, do they really need this to get a fucking meal or something or put gas in the car? Or, like, but I that, can understand but that, that. But that person has already worked those hours for you. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's... I agree with you, Mike. It's before payday, so you could debate it being in advance. Right. But you are, you are paying for already worked hours. True. What you're asking for right now is, would you lend someone money on hours they haven't worked yet? Yeah, so if we I keep with the lending, that's a, that's the course of your. That's the, that I feel like was the core of your question was, like what you're saying about an advance. Yeah. Advancing advancing money to people who've already worked the hours is just you paying early. True. You're not advancing anything. They've done the work. You're paying them. We're talking about if someone comes up and says, hey, the client wouldn't give me a thousand bucks. Can you give me a thousand <laughs> 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 What if you got to the end of the job and the, you're say the client owes you 10 grand and the client says, well, I already gave two grand to that other person as a loan. 
So I'm sure can, that's happened before. Now you can get it off them. Yeah. Because no. you might be left holding the bag on that. I'm sure that's happened before. Sure that's happened. But I'm still leaning the house for that whole 10 grand. Oh, yeah? I am not a party to this secondary loan or something. That what if the I, money was collected in your name? Yeah, what if it, what if you had a rogue employee going around collecting bill payments from all your GCs that aren't paying, but they're willing to pay one of your employees, uh, and they collected the money? <laughs> it, a GC has a hard enough time paying me. Do you think know, they would actually go out and pay one of my workers? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, like a residential. So, so a rogue employee goes around and collects things under your name. Not asking your clients for a loan, but saying... Chad sent them. They're here to collect some payments. No, no. I would, if someone were to do that to me, if I were to hire someone and one of their employees came up asking for money, collecting on my behalf, I'd want to check with the business owner first. Yeah. I would not give money to the, to a worker. Then. So, do you think that if someone did that and then obviously you found out about it the first time and you didn't let that person go that you have actually allowed them to continue to that behavior? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that asking the clients for money is an addictive behavior. Well, if you get the results you're looking for, I, I'd assume it would be addictive. Yeah. Yeah. I said that this is, I think that that would be. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that person would survive. I think like, I mean, survive, like not being, released from their duties or at a bare minimum i think they should get a suspension it's inappropriate chatter with the client i guess mm -hmm. or you have to start to wonder how comfortable is this how much time is because for me if you're working on a crew at someone's house and you're there for three weeks let's say and you're a crew member you probably become familiar with the comings and goings at the house and the people who live there and you say hi and bye. But I don't think you should, as a crew member, have a relationship where you're even comfortable broaching the topic of money. If you're the yeah. foreman, you might have that relationship because the foreman obviously is going to deal more intimately with the client. So maybe the position of that person within the company matters too, but I still think I'm uncomfortable with all of it, no matter how I devil advocate around it. I'm super uncomfortable with it. If you have a foreman that's willing to ask a client for money, you do not have a foreman anymore. If he sets the tone for the rest of the employees working underneath him and he's the one asking for money, he is not a foreman. In my opinion. Yeah. He does not have the ability to lead if that's the decision that he makes on the job site. He might be a great laborer but you should not be a foreman agreed i need to limit interaction okay but if you hire only firemen i'd assume they have enough money that they wouldn't have to ask the client that's very to true money that is very true mike what do you do if the on-site staff is asking the client to borrow money <laughs> Uh, I've I've personally never done that, so I don't have uh, anybody that I need to worry about. So do you do you butter them up with a beer first before you ask them? <laughs> do you have a beer client? Is it? Is they ask that? Do they ask to have a beer guy for money? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Did they? All right. Um, what else do you got for us? Be, beyond the lawn. What is your goals slash prediction in your business for next year? Already talking about next year as we close down the season here for at least me in a, in a few weeks here. Goals, predictions next year. What's your guys' outlook? Do you got any goals? 
PK? Uh, uh, yeah, let's always focus on me. Yeah. I'm a blabbermouth. Um, well, I want to see fine. if your trajectory has aimed upwards oh, after well, a year that you thought maybe wasn't your greatest. Uh, so I feel like I really want to get rid of our two triaxle dunk trucks and order two brand new ones that we want and order them exactly the way we want them. The black one? You're getting rid of the black international? Yeah. Chrissy's uh, truck. I just, we have, we have good equity in them right now. And, hmm. you know, if you keep them too long, then you're going to end up with not enough equity in them. And I think that we, we're, I, so I have, so I can, I just actually had a bunch of, I had some conversations with Kelly about this about next year. Um, I think that we consistently five days a week have work for two triaxle dump trucks. Wow. I mean, we have work for more. We, there's lots of days we run five trucks hmm. every, like we, there's many days in a season we run five trucks. We almost always run three or four. And sometimes we run five every day. So I think that that part of our business is growing. We provide good service, but at a bare minimum, we roll two every day. And I just, I really want to have two, I guess as a, you know, as a personal thing, I really want to have two that match minus the colors of the stickers, you know, minus the, you know, Christy will want pink and Darian wants green. I don't give a shit about that. Um, I just want to have two brand new trucks that I ordered that are my spec that are exactly the way I fucking want them to do exactly what we do as a business. Um, you know, it's, they're probably going to be three, 300, 325,000 each by the time we get what we want. Cause I want them very particular. And if I'm going to order them brand new, I'm going to get exactly the trucks that I want to represent us and exactly the way I want us represented. Um, so that's one of my goals, I guess, is to get that uh, to get those two trucks. I don't know if we'll get there, but that's something that we want to do next year. Um, I've concluded that we don't need our S seventy skid steer anymore, and we own it. And it, well, we'll own it soon, and it has uh, a lot of equity in it, and it doesn't have a lot of hours on it. And we originally bought it because. I don't like stand on skid steers because I like to sit down because I'm fat and old and I wanted to run it into, and we used to use it to do backyard. The excavator would dig the S 70 would scoop it, bring it to the front, dump it in the trailer. Um, but in general, now we use the E 20 to dig into the buggy and then the buggy brings it to the front and dumps it. And then the S 70 loads it into the bin. Um, Cause the buggy holds so much more. And it's a great system, except that realistically, our business would be better off with a second full-size skid steer. Um, mm -hmm. And if we take the S70, that's still worth quite a bit of money and trade it down on a full-size skid steer, we'll probably end up with a full-size skid steer for around the same payment as we pay for the S70 right now. And our business has more than proved that we can support that payment. So I think it would be smart for us to flip the S70 into a full-size skid steer, SVL 75 or. Yes. Or, a, you know, I, I mean, I, the Bobcats haven't treated me wrong. Um, and that's probably where I get the most money from my S70. So maybe another Bobcat or, you know, I've looked at the, a lot of the cat skid steers recently. I don't know. Anyways, I think that our business is better served because if all we're doing essentially is using the S70 to load the bin out on the road after the buggy dumps, then we could do that with a full-size skid steer. But then we also have the full-size skid steer to move pallets around. Whereas the S70 can't do that, right? Or load and unload. Or if we need the full-size skid steer to go push piles at a dump site, or if we need it just for our business, at one time the S70 was a vital part of our business. I feel like we just, we started a different system with the buggy as part of it. And it just, we just sort of grew past it. So I also think that when we bought it, I had intentions of using it for snow a lot because it is a great sidewalk machine. And it's an amazing machine for sidewalks and 
put a plow on it and have a bucket on site. You can do a lot of different things with it, but we don't do any of that kind of work. So, and I have no intention of doing that kind of work. So I think we're going to look at pretty hard at trading in the S70 next year. Um, I want to take at least one of our pickup trucks and get rid of it and get uh, like a five ton dump truck like a fair set with a bit longer box. Then I want to split the box because we have, you know, a big client that we do a lot of deliveries for. And in the spring, we could put, if that truck could deliver two yards in the front and two yards in the back or a half yard in the front and two yards in the back and it had a split box, we could probably let it out to that client for a lot in the spring, plus use it on our own jobs. And I wouldn't mind getting a small hook. I wouldn't mind getting rid of two of the pickups and getting a small hook truck with some five yard bins. Cause I think that we do enough, of the other bins that five yard bins would probably be a business we could get into. Plus it would probably be good for our own use. So those are things we're looking into, I guess. Short list. Also like a dozer and a bigger excavator, but I don't know. It's a lot of money. You're remodeling the whole company over next year. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to change it. Nice. Love it. I I mean, I don't know if I'm going, I want to, I think that those are practical decisions for the staff. The staff yeah. we have in the direction we're moving and the things we're trying to achieve. Some of the equipment we have maybe doesn't. I'd like to, we have a brand new dump trailer. It's a year old. I'd like to sell it off in the spring. Because I, for us, if we had a five-ton dump truck and a little bin truck, we don't need, yeah, we don't need, yeah, we don't need that dump trailer. We have two dump trailers. One of them's like three and a half ton and it's old, but it's, you know, for the amount we use a dump trailer, we could probably use that. Um, and I don't know. We'll probably maybe sell some of our other stuff too. I don't know. Everything else we have, we really use a lot. Um, but anyways, that's our, I guess our small plans. How about you, Chad? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, I thought around, getting into a triaxle as well um there's a lot of work for one right now uh we sort of have the money to spend um but i'm nervous like that's a big big chunk of money um and i gotta find the right driver uh without a doubt the work is there for now at least i just feel like that's a huge undertaking um, especially without a driver that I can trust. Uh, I thought about flipping the two F550s for newer ones, but if we do that, we're out like 60K. Um, so I'm still kicking around that idea. Uh, I would love to put a 20-ton shovel in the fleet, just to even just to have it at the yard. I think it would be great to move shit around and push piles and all that stuff um for next year we got probably a million and a half to start uh, including a fifteen thousand square foot porcelain tile job which fell right into my lap so we're gonna see how that goes um i got a fire hall to build i have uh some big streets to do a couple roundabouts uh we'll know maybe by end of day tomorrow if we get a highway job um the work's there uh if i can get all the guys to get along and put some of the pieces in place to where we can start a separate crew and they can function without me there i think uh we'll be in good shape still a lot of reinstatement top zone thought my bread and butter um yeah this has been probably our best year so far we'll just see what we can't do to make next year even better even if things look like they're turning down as far as the economy goes we'll see doesn't seem that way for us just yet mike uh goals for next year i haven't really thought too much about it just yet on the landscaping side of things um 
on the software side of things, I got a lot in the works, which is going to take up a lot of my winter here. Uh, but not a lot I can really talk about in terms of goals for that and what I'm kind of planning on working on in the winter. Landscaping, like as soon as we have a clear area that we're going to live long term, then I'll start to kind of double down more on hiring. Uh, for now, next year, I'd hope to have one guy with me next year, just based on the work that we've got lined up for the spring and then uh, into the summer, which is already looking good. And uh, yeah, I need to take a little bit more time to think about the landscaping side of things, essentially. What about for this podcast? Do we have a goal for next year? Oh, good question. Is there anything? I mean, we put enough time into this thing every week, I guess. We need to have a long-term sponsor for next year. A long-term sponsor. How do sponsorships usually work? Are they usually long-term? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. It just depends on how you want to set it up. The the goal for the end of the year for this podcast is to have the merch store up. Yeah. So next year we need to have a big goal because that's a pretty big goal to accomplish right there. Yeah. I noticed this week the Malder Life podcast was sponsored by a landscaper. Oh, I did a see landscaper. that. Yeah. Yeah. A landscaper. Yeah. So I thought that maybe the Malder Life podcast should sponsor this podcast. Ooh. And maybe we've been marking up the wrong tree for sponsors and we should be looking for other podcasts to sponsor our podcast. Wow. If only I had a spot up another podcast to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> if only another podcast existed, Mike, to sponsor this podcast. Is that what you're getting at, PK? No, it wasn't actually. <laughs> but it's funny that that's true. Uh, I did put a request on Instagram today on the not our finest hour account for people to send us our begging for sponsors to other people, other companies that they felt (laughs) provided no value in the industry. Mm. So I'm hoping people will take that to heart and they will share that post with companies they think provide no value. And then that way we can talk about them and they can sponsor our no value podcast and they'll all stay in line with our brand. Because we want to keep our branding on point. True. Right? So. Yeah. Next yeah. question, Mike. That's a good way. If you are looking to support us beyond leaving ratings and reviews, just bug your sales rep or send the, send the Not Our Finest Hour to your favorite company and tell them to sponsor us. If you have also encountered a company that offers no value to you, <laughs> please send them our way. Belligerently, every day. I think that a great way to help us get sponsored would be to call once a week you, some companies that, that might call frequently. Or if you do get calls once a week frequently about purchasing certain round items, you should immediately tell them that you would purchase those round items from them if they were sponsoring the Not Our Finest Sour podcast. But until they do that, why would you buy an item off them? I'm just saying. Potentially. Why would you buy an item off of anybody that doesn't sponsor the Not Our Finest Sour podcast? Right now, you wouldn't be able to buy anything from anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... All right, question here. Uh, do you, uh, do you keep your crew on all winter? If so, what do you do to keep them busy? I do not keep my crew. Oh, well, I keep my crew on all winter. Or I stay pretty busy. Um, what do you guys do? Um, we work around the yard, not full time by any means. Um. But I found, especially over the last couple of years, it takes a lot to keep a landscape company running, even in the off season. Uh, a lot of greasing, cleaning, every like the trucks get cleaned in December. 
not they don't go out all winter but by february they're dirty again i don't know how but they just have to be like double cleaned um to get all the shit out of them i guess you're saying a fall cleaning when everyone's tired and it gets dark at 3 30 in the afternoon is not acceptable later on <laughs> it's not acceptable at the time later in the season. <laughs> when everyone was exhausted and tired and they were done with the season and you say clean yeah. out the trucks and they half ass it out take an extended lunch drink a double double fucking and then really just pick yeah. up the cans off the floor when you go to look at that truck in february like fuck we really need to clean this thing yeah yeah they they so need a I've, double cleaning yes um yeah there's a lot of shit that can get done in the winter uh shop rentals we're still ongoing with that um painting everything needs to get everything gets so scratched up over the season yeah it all has to be painted again and buffed and ready to put out again oil changes fluid top-ups no matter how I, we go through so much goddamn windshield washer fluid those international we, we, trucks we got a barrel yeah i need that barrel the barrel is awesome yeah the it's barrel like is awesome. Or something. Yeah, it's yeah. got a hand pump. I should post yeah. a video of it just for you. The, the barrel of windshield washer fluid is, and then we got one of those, you know, those jugs that you pour oil in so you can put oil in a truck. Yeah. It's like a big, and you get a ball, and you can't use the bulk oil thing. So we got one of those for windshield washer fluid. So oh. you can just, it pours in nice. It's great. Yeah. I haven't had to do it yet, but someone did. Mm. Someone needed washer fluid. Yeah. Yeah, all that shit takes about a good couple weeks. Like, you wouldn't believe how much time it takes to get things ready. Then by March, we're all horny to go. So we're cleaning everything again and shining it up and airing the tires. And everything's shuttled back and forth to the mechanic for safeties. And things are getting new decals. And it's it's just awesome. I love a mid-March take off whenever you're sort of getting everything ready putting all the buckets back together everybody gets new tools and everything's marked out the way they like it okay we're going to set up the trailer this way this year and we're going to try this and oh yeah fill the jerry cans put them back in the truck and all the good stuff yeah. that's like christmas that I love the feeling of starting the season. Uniform, well, not uniforms, but new shirts and safety vests, and everybody gets new hats, and everybody looks like a million bucks for the first week. <laughs> and they're all tired from doing nothing all winter. The job boxes are all organized. The job boxes <laughs> are all organized. Spend all winter building a big job box. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. I'm excited for next season already. So. we uh we move snow in the winter with the trucks and the dump and the bin trucks um so this year we have five of our own trucks to go out so that's good we have three bin trucks and uh two triaxles of our own to go out first and then we have the brokers uh if something comes up we have the staff in like we had a winter where they worked at the place that shell bought not be named for the whole winter. <laughs> they did different construction projects there for the whole winter. Uh, we had another job where we worked all winter uh, doing open graded base. Um, so we had both those jobs where we worked for the whole winter. Uh, we last winter, we didn't have a job where um, field staff were working for the winter uh, this year. We might have some, we have a, a porcelain terrace on pedestals. So if that was ready in January to go, really, there's nothing stopping you from doing that because you're not compacting anything. You're working off foam. You're just putting the pedestals on the foam and then putting the porcelain on. So that's something we would maybe do this winter. Um, I've done permeable pavers in the winter. You can do them. If you get the main base down first so you're not burying fucking ice um 
we do we're gonna do we get everything certified all winter it's another thing we do we don't pay, i mean we don't pay anything because we don't have a heated space although this year we might have a heated space so we might paint some stuff um you know get trucks ready get equipment ready i i want to this year i want to color code all the strapping down and chaining equipment to each trailer so that because what happens is it keeps getting pirated out of the different trailers and moving around so maybe if that stuff gets painted we do have a lot of trailers and a lot of straps and a lot of shit going on so we have three flat trailers four flat trailers and we have two dump trailers so they all have an array of straps and shit but um i think if they were color coded and everything had a place that that would be a better setup but we've never done that so we're probably work on that this winter that's something i want to work on uh, we always have a list of things that we should be doing That's our plans for this winter, I guess. That's, I mean, we, uh, this is pretty much the end of the questions. We do have just topics, uh, different types of brands of permeable jointing. Uh, but there's no question here. I guess more so a topic. Hmm. Do you guys just stick to one, I guess? No. Well, I'm changing it up for the next one. I, Remember I told you guys about that six by 13. Yeah. Yeah. That one. So uh, that job happens to, that's the client that we're doing the 15,000 square feet of uh, porcelain for. Mm -hmm. So all of that six by 13 paper is coming up. Uh, We're going to palletize it, put it somewhere else. And no word of a lie. Before any of that got lifted, there's a ceiling fan right above a pad of this jointing compound and the perfect circle from the ceiling fan is missing out of the jointing compound right below it. No way. Yeah. And like, we can't explain it. I don't know. It's like a crop circle <laughs> of missing a jointing compound, right? <laughs> beneath the fan like it doesn't make any sense it's the only spot on the entire job of 2000 square feet where there's no jointing compound interesting so, yeah really yeah it's neat so um we're gonna try the other one the other jointing compound i see i feel like um with the nitro no matter how nice you get it, you almost have to go around and point all your joints after because it just doesn't look right if you leave it the way it is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then you you have to point it and then blow all the shit away. Um, Or maybe I'm just not good at installing it, but we've spent hours and hours and hours putting this stuff in. And I can't, I don't know how I can make it nicer than the way it looks without pointing it at the end. I find that even with the other one that... Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, for sure. You're going to have to go yeah. around and hand, hand finger it or whatever. Again. Yeah. Do hmm. you have a preference? I don't. Uh, and then the Seal Tech, tech uh, also has their own. So there's three hmm. that I think are very similar. Okay. And then um, Mexro... <laughs> <laughs> also has their own which is a finer granule so i, I kind of want to try that yeah, yeah i want to try yeah. that so which we'll one see. it's a company called mexro mm. mexro like, yeah. yeah oh so we've we've used <laughs> what max oh god <laughs> sorry i just tried to mix up the i know i know you're, yeah i know what you're so we've used mexro quite a few times we found it to be a really great product it seems to be a bit finer than some mm-hmm. of the other ones then um we've used both of them they were both successful we just felt like the 
the Metro went in a bit easier, maybe because it's a bit finer. Okay. Um, they both of them, the permeability has proved to be great. We put it in multiple driveways now, <laughs> and it has stood up. No one's called to complain. No one said a word about it. Um, so not actually the driveway we did in the spring, we did out of uh, Tro night. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's held up well because it you know the reason we didn't do, use the mex row on that one is because the tronite actually came out and said it was driveway safe last oh, i winter, didn't even know that last winter it came out and said it was driveway safe and the mex row had not made that statement i don't know if they had now but they had not at the time so we and we were using a a wide joint paver um, so it went in just as nice. Hmm. The, one of the reasons we used that stuff was because the black is so true black and we were using a, um, block techo black smooth paver. And so we wanted it to, cause the guy wanted the driveway to look like asphalt, whatever. <laughs> Same. So just black on black, everything. It was black on. Well, he also had like a crazy murdered out one of those jeeps with the three ninety two Hemi in it that was murdered out. So he liked to pull it onto his all black driveway so that it camouflaged his jeep. Hmm. So I uh, I liked all those products. We haven't had a bad experience with either of them. I haven't had a failure or a problem. Or I do agree that it. It is the kind of thing where you got to go back the next day and touch it up, no matter how hard you try. Yeah, it's I tough. Think, I, I think agree. It's, it's hard to do a one-off install. I think you almost... That's just my feeling on it. I agree with that. I think that it's, it's a tough... And I don't know how, no matter how many times you've installed it, how you make it better. Would you guys buy one of those uh, machines with the brooms, the four brooms on it that spin around? Uh, yeah, I guess. Price if dependent. If it was twenty five hundred. Yeah. Oh, if it would speed up the process, if it would expedite the process, because we have spent. I probably have 50 empty buckets at the yard and the time to install 50 buckets is probably pushing 30 hours or so, I'd say. You're saying an hour a bucket? Uh, half an hour a bucket. Just over, yeah. Just over half an hour a bucket. I feel like that's fair. Like if we could expedite that process. I mean, it's... Not like once you have the hose on it and you're putting it in, it doesn't take in half an hour to do a pail, but the whole process, right? Like by the time you take them out of the truck and open up all the the cans and then the bags inside the cans and all this shit, like it, do, it ends do up think, being. Do you think that if you're including all that time, do you think that installing a bag of sand is any faster? Yeah, polysand? I think polysand's a bit faster. Polysand's for sure faster. If you include, unless, you're, like unless you're including the time waiting for the to dry. Well, no, but I'm saying in you're including November. Getting well, <laughs> getting it or the out time of the you're truck taking it to torch it, like getting it out of the truck, drying it, installing it. Uh, sweeping it. Triple compacting it, compacting it, sweeping it in again, compacting it, sweeping it in again, compacting it, sweeping it in again. I mean, right now I think they're up recommending like six times compacting and resweeping to make sure this consult. Well, so really, if you actually go, so the process is, as to my understanding, is lay the pavers, put in the edging, do a pre-compaction. We're all up on all your lines. Uh, I, I listen. I'm going by. If you guys 
if I get to a point where you guys disagree with what I'm talking about here, please voice your opinion. <laughs> but we're talking about what's recommended, not what you agree. Like, this is what I understand the recommended method to be now. One of these days, we're just going to grab a bag of polysand and read the fucking instructions right on the air. It doesn't matter what's on the bag. It's not what what's on the bag is not relevant to what they're saying is how you need to install it. Those things never match. I guarantee if you read the bag, it never says anywhere. Don't install under a tree where leaves fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to break down what I understand the process to be. Finish. Finish the patio completed. Do your pre-compaction. So you get out your roller packer, you set it up, you do your pre-compaction. How long do you think that takes? Say you're doing, let's do it for 100 square feet. Straight up, 100, because, uh, well, so 100 square feet is two bags, right? Let's agree that two bags is 100 square feet. Yep. Okay, so we're doing 100 square feet. So you, you're doing, you're going to the trailer, getting your roller packer, bringing it to the patio, and doing pre-compaction on 100 square feet. How many minutes is that? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna make a little, make a little chart here. We're gonna figure it out. By the time, Probably. are you including the rollover from the trailer to the patio? Yeah, because you you just said you you are including in the half an hour per bucket of Roma of Max Rome or Pro Night that you were including going to get the pail, bringing the pail from yeah, the trailer. Okay. Okay. But you sure. you you started down this road, not me. Just okay. So I just, how long is that gonna go get the pack? Now, mind you. You're going to use this packer multiple times. So really you're only going to get it once from the trailer and now you have it near Correct. the patio, right? Yeah. So how many minutes to get the packer, get it over, get it started, get it running, take it off choke, make sure it's running good, put gas in it, check the oil and roll the patio hundred square feet. How many minutes is that? Five minutes. Do you think that's <laughs> happening in five minutes? And Absolutely. the compaction and the initial compaction? Oh yeah. 100 square feet it's a 10 by 10 so but you're gonna go to the trailer get this packer but, get it to, get it to where it's going check the oil warm it up properly no we're not checking the oil you know the oil gets checked once a season and that's when it doesn't start maybe at ndl yes well damn right at ndl <laughs> <laughs> We've had, people. yeah, the only time that oil ever gets checked in a small engine is whenever it's not starting. <laughs> so, you feel, I feel like your five minute timeline is aggressive. It's very aggressive. I think so too. <laughs> I've told you before, we work faster than the average landscape crew. It seems like uh, it. But that's where you're making your money between the trailer and rolling it over. I don't know how far your jobs are from your trailer. The whole point is to bring the trailer to the job. Right? So you okay. roll the packer out. Even yeah, if you're a, rolling it to the yeah, backyard. I'm gonna, whatever. We'll agree. This is Chad's. We're working through this for Chad. So you, he says five minutes. You might be able to skim off a minute if you had a job box. It wouldn't fit in the job box. Oh. We put it in We put it in this the little MT100 and we drive it over. And then we put the bucket at the edge of the patio and then we pull the packer, the roller packer out. Five minutes. We got it. All right. So now you're going to sweep in, let's call it a bag and a half of sand. Yeah. In five minutes? Five or no. six minutes. Yeah. Oh, fuck. No. Really? There's no Are you fucking serious? way that that happens in five what, minutes. Okay. What's the patio? Is it Blue Grande? Is it. Uh, Four by eight? What's the patio? Let's just call it a common denominator patio. Three size random. Three size. Have they been 13 by 16? Have they been lifted and relayed? Like, is there existing no. sand in this them? Is then, no, this is brand then, new. Then five minutes, six minutes. Right. 100 square feet is not a lot of patio. I feel like this is an aggressive timeline, but sure, six minutes. <laughs> okay. I can't now, remember the last time I built a 100 square foot patio. Now you're doing. Your first compaction go over. So you, you're compacting it with the roller packer. Then you're doing another sweep in. 
another five or six minutes. All right, so let's go six. So that's this is the sand install pre-compaction. So we're up and to 15 minutes so far. First, first compaction. Now, what how many legit without making fun of the situation? How many of those compactions reinstalling? I say that no sand supplier is going to let you get away with less than three, or you're creating failure because you're not getting enough compaction. You're going to have to do that at least three times. We compact it, it times. and resand it. Compact it and resand it. Compact. So how many times? We compact twice. But we're going by the rec. So you think that a sand if you have a failure and you tell them you only compacted it twice, they are going to one hundred percent tell you you didn't do enough compaction. And reference tell- this podcast episode. And reference it. <laughs> I've been Here, told. All right, okay, we're all twice. just digging our graves on this this podcast. So let's, okay, let's just say twice. So we got another six minutes for second compaction. Right now we have, and that's also sweeping it. So now, how long to blow a hundred square feet? Two minutes, maximum. Thirty With seconds. It, it takes two minutes to start our fucking still blower. So okay, so add yeah, that right. in there. Four minutes. The electric blower starts right up. What if you use the sand that doesn't require blowing? You blow well, it off anyways there, because that's the no fucking stupidest yeah. bullshit fucking crap. Like it's yeah. the fastest part of the process. Why would you get rid of that? So fucking idiotic. Anyways. I'm just going off of you said that they require three compactions minimum. I'm just going yeah. off of what yeah, they I, say. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so now we got left is the water. How long to water 100 square feet? At least three minutes, four minutes? Yeah. Uh, well, are we talking? We're getting out the hose. We're hooking up our own yeah, hose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ten minutes. That's Easily. the longest step of the process. The longest step is getting that fucking hose out. True. Okay, and now we're going to say that this process is completed. Unless you guys have another process that I haven't forgot about that they recommend, which May is need to blow off the water. Oh yeah, you got to blow yeah. the water off. You're fucking right. I've heard that shit. Yeah. So I'll do another four minutes of blowing. Okay, you guys ready for the tally here on the little how long it takes to install a bag of polysand? Hundred square feet. I wish a polysand company would sponsor this podcast. It'd be great. This calculator's not fucking working. The fuck? Oh, here's a big one. This one will come on. No. Oh, there we go. So we got five plus six. Plus six plus six. <laughs> These are small numbers. Can plus we just four plus ten <laughs> plus four equals forty-one divided by two? It takes twenty point five twenty minutes, twenty and a half twenty and a half minutes, according to Chad, to install bags of polysand. Why did you divide by two at the end? Two bags, of two, two bags oh, for 100 square oh, feet. Okay, for every bag of sand. Gotcha. 200, two bags for 100 square feet because you're not doing it with one bag. Got it. Right. And you're doing, and if you're doing a double compaction, you're going to go through extra. Wait, let's back up a second here. So it takes 40, right. 40 minutes for every 100 square feet to finish, to finish a 100 square foot patio of sand. Do you think that's yeah. unreasonable? Actually, that's closer than I thought. I do one hour. Step of this process. <laughs> Both of you were fucking dragging me through the mud over my timeline <laughs> for everything. But does it not work at the end? Well, the time you're done, did... forty minutes to do that is a fucking fair amount. I do one hour personally for mine. For a hundred square feet. Yeah. You allow an hour. That's my production rate for poly. Okay. Chad's <laughs> pissed. Drag me through the mud through the whole fucking thing, and then it turns out to be right. Come on. Well, I don't think that it was an aggressive timeline. But when you add it all up, I agree with you that it could. Now, you only did two compactions, and any sand manufacturer is going to tell you that's, that's fucking crazy shit you're talking there. Like to not do four or five compactions. Do you guys, I, I know we've talked about this so many times, but it just always boggled my mind. When there was the who could compact their sand the most competition on Instagram, 
and there'd be these fucking guys. Oh, it's just a couple guys would be like, yeah, we're on our 17th compaction here because we're doing it right. And if you're not doing it like us, you're a fucking loser, man. I was like, you're such a fucking knob. You're 17 <laughs> fucking compactions. Whatever. Anyways, so 20.5, and you're saying you had 50 buckets? You had th- 50. I'd say at least half an hour a bucket. Right. What's your production rate for that sand, Mike? Oh, I don't even know that off the top of my head. But it's it's at least an hour and a half per hundred square feet. Okay. Yeah. So so you're saying it's t- Chad saying it's ten minutes longer per hundred square feet to do the sand, the wash in sand. Or well it's not sand, it's jointing compound. Right? That's true. No, I'm saying it's thirty three percent longer. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's which sounds ten, right. Yes, yeah, that's right. Essentially, you said it was half an hour for the other one and uh, 20 minutes for this. So, yeah, 33% longer. 33% longer. You should market cornflakes. <laughs> this box is 33% <laughs> bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that's they do. That's how they market that stuff. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. you're saying 33% is this was this this brought value doing a breakdown of this this brought way too much fucking value i'm kind of disappointed could someone send this episode to a polysand company so we can get them to sponsor us please because obviously we've been nothing but complimentary to the product for the last half an hour or the last podcast so here's the thing (laughs) our very first episode we we got we broke that seal so just here's an interesting thing about this so it's 20 minutes to half an hour i'm not disagreeing with chad i think that he proved us wrong and proved himself right he stuck through the process he wrote it out he proved himself right but here's here's the real in the time that we've been installing the knock on wood um jointing compound that you wash in we've had zero callbacks In the time that we've been installing polysand, now we were talking about how many times has someone called you about a failure of the base material earlier in this episode? And we both, all three of us were like, yeah, I don't remember anyone ever calling me about a failure. How many times have people called you to complain about sand issues? Um. I would, I would say it's 100% my most frequent complaint to the point where everyone who works for us, myself included, has a lot of anxiety over installing sand <laughs> because it's just gotten to the point where it doesn't matter what you do with it. You did something wrong and it's your fucking fault. And so if you factor in the amount of time I have to fix stupid sand shit, I would guess that it's probably over. It's probably more than 30 minutes a bag for the season because you got to go back and fix all. Although we haven't had any problems this year. So knock on wood, we also haven't done any residential installs. You know, by, by ceasing to install the product, we stopped having problems with it. Shockingly. We still got one or two, we got one or two sand complaints from last year. You're saying how many minutes, how many, so You've obviously had a problem with. Have you guys had? You've had one, Chad. With what? A complaint the, about the the jointing compound. Yeah. I've had yeah. zero. What about you, Mike? I've had zero. How many jobs have you done with it? Oh, more than ten off the top of my head. Yeah. So we've done. I'd say we've done at least ten. We've had no complaints. How many have you done, Chad? three or four well maybe four or five but uh it was just that one that crop circle under the fan that's been the real issue everything else is uh pretty great it can even like not that it's happened to us but like if you're shitty at grading the resin compound can solve that problem right? <laughs> <laughs> like just, it really though it it can like 
you don't have to worry about if, the pooling. You're, you're puddling. If you're really to... shitty, like if you're starting out, maybe the resin sand is your saving grace, you know, if you don't know how to grade a base out right yet or something. Yeah. You know, you could be a dog shit landscaper and cut wedges <laughs> and stuff. And as long as you're installing resin, no one's going to know. I do. I think that your point on the resin there is really good because I do agree with you that I whenever you do a patio, a large patio, 300, 400 square feet, even if you end up, if you have a textured paver and you end up with three or four of them turned the wrong ways so that all the water goes there and then it doesn't flow out of there as fast just because of the texture on the paver, nothing to do with your grade, not saying it's not flowing. Yeah. It's literally just the texture of the paver. Having that resin in there is really a lifesaver if the, you know, if the client yeah. comes out, all the water's going away and it just, they're just yeah. watching the puddle and it's slowly moving like not fast enough on regular yeah. on resin or on uh poly sand yes they just watch yeah. the puddle like you want to put a little paper boat there and just watch it flow so for me i like the i like the resin for that 100 yeah. percent. so anyways yeah. is that is that two hours mike we're more than two hours more than two hours more than all right well that's the end of the episode see you the fuck later <laughs>